0: Welcome to the COVID What Comes Next podcast with Dr. Ashish Jha, Dean of the Brown University School of Public Health and a globally respected pandemic scientist and physician. Every week here, Dr. Jha will analyze events of the previous several days and offer his assessment and guidance for what lies ahead. I'm your host, G. Wayne Miller of the Providence Journal and the USA Today Network. morning, Ashish. How are you today? Good morning, Wayne. I'm well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. So we have a number of questions that we're hoping you can answer and we know you can answer. And the first one is vaccinations are now open to everyone age 16 and older. What is the practical impact of this? What does it mean? Good, bad or indifferent? We know it's good, but talk about it. It is good. It is good. It's really
1: good. Um, Obviously, there's a and different states are different, uh, have had different approaches. So that means there's more pent up demand in some states than others. Some states have been open for 16 and above for a while. Uh, But other states like Massachusetts and Rhode Island, I think, really just opened up to uh, everybody. Uh, And when I say everybody, I mean over 16 and so you're going to see a little, I think, a little uh, bit of a rush in, in, in vaccinations. But overall, Wayne, I think we are shifting our um, vaccination uh, landscape. And what I mean by that is nationally, we're at about 50 percent of adults have been vaccinated, one out of every two. And what I have been saying is that we are now through the people who were you know, avid vaccine seekers, the people who desperately, desperately wanted the vaccine, the, the equivalent of the people who are going to camp out all night for the new iPhone that's going to open up in the morning. <laughs> you know, that group is mostly done. Not 100%, but mostly done. And in some ways, that's the easiest group because all you've got to do is set up a mechanism. You don't have to make it easy. You can make people refresh their browsers 10 times a day. They'll find a way. And that's the group that's largely gotten vaccinated. We are now entering a phase. We've got to vaccinate the next group that's much, much more complicated. This is not vaccine hesitancy. This is people who want it actually have very close friends and family members. One of my closest family members, a cousin of mine, basically, I was talking to her and she said, oh, sure, I want the vaccine. I said, have you signed up? And she said, no, it's too complicated. I'll get around to it at some point and that perfectly captured she wanted it she's not hesitant but it's too complicated and it wasn't worth it for her and so of course what i did was i like said i'll sign you up and i joined you know i jumped on the web and i signed up i signed her up and i've been doing this now for a lot of my family and feeling like there's got to be an easier way we shouldn't make it hard for people so the next phase, the next 10 to 20 percent of adults who are going to get vaccinated are going to get vaccinated because we make it super easy. So what do I mean? I mean, things like no scheduled appointments, just show up and you'll get a vaccine, uh, make it, you know, do outreach to people and go to work sites. So people have been talking about construction sites and construction workers. Send a vaccine van out to the construction site and vaccinate everybody who's willing to get vaccinated that day, right? There's all sorts of things we can do to to get the next 10, 20%. If we just continue doing what we're doing, we're gonna find that we're hitting a wall of, uh, in terms of people getting vaccinated. And that's gonna be a huge problem because we're at 50% nationally. We gotta get to 70, 80% of adults before this uh, disease really breaks and starts getting under full control.
0: That's a very good point I in in my circle in our circle we've had the same experience people who want to get vaccinated they go to websites they call they get placed on hold and it, it, you know and at some point they go this is just as you said it's too complicated you're right it's got that's got to be shifted yeah so um, we don't have a, a verdict yet on the j and j pause but where do things stand I guess we're going to hear perhaps this week yeah.
1: Yeah, we're going to hear on Friday from the uh, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices or ACIP. And my full expectation is that they're going to unpause. They have to. Uh, I think pausing for a week and a half, as they have done uh, over a week, was I thought it was irresponsible. I thought it was a wrong decision. Uh, These are exceedingly safe vaccines. The initial pause for 24, 48 hours made more sense to me when the FDA first said, whoa, let's look at some data. The purpose of the initial pause was to alert physicians, to alert the community and say, look, we are seeing these incredibly rare events. Let's get some more information. Uh, but continuing the pause as they have, I think is not right. It's the wrong trade off. And if And I would be shocked if they did not unpause on Friday. They may do what I actually called for last week, Wayne, which is I said, if you wanna be really careful, you could even say, and I think this is not necessary, but you could even say, we're gonna keep it paused for women 20 to 49 and unpause it for everybody else. Uh, I, do I think that's necessary? I don't, but I think that, that could have been justifiable. A pause for everybody just made no sense. Um, I think they're gonna unpause it. They might give an advisory for women 20 to 49 to get a little extra monitoring in the first couple of weeks. I don't know exactly what they'll do. But if they don't unpause it by Friday, I think that's a huge problem.
0: We haven't talked about variants in a little while. Uh, are there any new variants surfacing anywhere in the U.S. Or, or anywhere on the planet?
1: Yeah, so, you know, there's always new variants. I mean, this is the, the reality of pandemics, right, is that you're going to see new variants. Um, we have seen uh, new variants emerging out of India. And one of them particularly has gotten a lot of attention in India, a lot of people who are sort of concerned about uh, what its implications are. Uh, and, and the bigger picture point on this is not to, to focus excessively on that variant per se, uh, but to really talk about the fact that uh, variants are, are going to be coming for weeks and months and, and years ahead of us. And we need a strategy for how to identify them. How to track them, how to understand whether they mean anything or not. Uh, and what I mean by mean or anything is that you can have a variant that has no functional effects, not any more contagious, doesn't have any effects on the immune system. And until we uh, kind of get our arms around that, we're not going to be able to make a lot of progress. So the one out of India is called B1167 or B1167. It's um, it may be more contagious. We don't know. It may be what's driving things in India, but it is also showing up now in the United States. And maybe that's the last point is variants that start almost anywhere in the world will end up in America. They will end up in Europe uh, because in the global community, it's almost physically impossible not to. So nothing huge to worry about, but a lot of stuff to track and keep close eye on.
0: So before we get to the audience questions, before we started recording, we were talking about swimming and swimming pools, and you know people are going back to health clubs. And what is your and you know the good weather is coming, so people will have you know their own pools if if they're you know so lucky. We, what do you think about swimming pools? What do you guys? I think swimming pools are great. <laughs> so um, it, no,
1: look. Uh, so let's talk about swimming pools. Indoor swimming pools may be a little different than outdoor swimming pools. So let's talk about the easy one, which is outdoor swimming pools. I mean, obviously, there are indoor pools at hotels. And I guess if you're lucky enough to have a home where you have an indoor swimming pool, you can, I guess those exist too, but <laughs> not in my, not in my sphere. No, I
0: think you're talking Santa Monica or a Malibu.
1: <laughs> right. Um, but outdoor swimming pools, like we have one in our community, in our neighborhood, uh, and it's great. And I, I think the risk of developing, of getting COVID among kids, so kids will be largely unvaccinated from swimming pool. I can't really imagine it. Like it's an exceedingly low risk event. Uh, so being in the pool itself is not a problem if you're gonna get it. You're going to get it because after the pool, you're sitting with somebody for two hours and chatting and you're sitting right next to them, but passing by, you're not going to get it. Um, So I am very, very encouraging of people getting out and enjoying the pool. Indoor pools are a bit more complicated. Again, you're not going to get it from the pool, but you're in an indoor space. And if it gets super crowded and if it's a small pool with a small indoor space, then obviously all the rules about indoor space applies Um, outdoors. Forget about it. It's it's really exceedingly safe and only ways in which it's not. You can kind of anticipate. And again, it's the you sit with uh, with a friend for two hours right next to them and not wearing a mask. Sure. Uh, But that's a different thing.
0: So a couple of audience questions. This comes from Jim, who writes, I grew up in Rhode Island, but moved to Southern California to work for Walt Disney feature animation. Good, good job. Move, yeah, by the way. so insane. he got his first dose of Moderna and was encouraged to sign up for the CDC V-safe program. Yep, and he says that uh, you know I get a text every day for got a text for uh, every day for a week and then weekly answering a few questions. But other people he talked to hadn't even heard of this. What what is V-safe and and what are your thoughts on V-safe?
1: Yeah, it's uh, not everybody uh, gets the request to be to be in it. It's patient-reported adverse events, bad things that happen, symptoms, et cetera, You may get, um, and I think anyone who wants to can sign up. Different people are offered it at different places, and it's one of the many ways in which we monitor uh, adverse events. I will tell you, it's not it's it's a good way. It's an important way because you get it from patients directly. But it's not the major way. The major way is something called VAERS, which is the uh, the vaccine adverse re- event reporting system. That's what physicians use. Patients can, and other people can log into that as well. But there are multiple mechanisms for people to report adverse events. And VAERS is how we identified those extremely rare blood clots um, that caused the Johnson & Johnson vaccine to, to pause. So, I think for, for this person, great. Good that you're doing this, keep going. If other people want to sign up, they can, but it's not, most people are not saying.
0: So this final question is from a woman who says, uh, my husband and I are both fully vaccinated in our 70s. They have two daughters in their early 40s. One received her second dose. The other daughter who tends to have anxiety issues and doesn't like to take any type of medication is hesitant about getting the vaccine. And so this woman and her husband um, don't want to lecture this daughter. They don't want to use scare tactics. What would your advice be, you know, for some, for, for these people? And and I'm sure they're not alone.
1: No, not alone. And I don't think lecturing is helpful and scare tactics almost never work. Plus not the right thing to do and not with your own family. Um, I, I really do think that it's about helping people understand the benefits Uh, of vaccinations, how it creates a safe environment. So for people who have anxiety, uh, helping them understand that, that once people are vaccinated and vaccinated, people are spending time with other vaccinated people, it actually makes it a much, much safer thing to do. And so it's good for everybody. It's good for the, the daughter. It's better for the parents and really talking through the benefits. I always sort of like to lead with the benefits of these things. And Trying to scare people or push them is really not good. And then the other part, of course, is to listen to the questions that are driving the anxiety or the concerns. You know, I I described how about 50% of Americans are that kind of want vaccine at any cost. Another 10 or 20% are happy to get it, but won't can't or won't jump through the hoops. There's another 10 or 20% that's got a lot of questions, really unsure. And the best way to, to deal with that crowd is to answer their questions, to figure out what's on their minds, what's holding them back, and engage in a, in a very productive and respectful way. And that's the same thing I would do in this situation.
0: That's pretty good guidance for life in general, too, about anxiety issues. So thanks. Uh, again, as always, if you're in the audience and you have a question that you would like Dr. Zha ja to Answer we'll try to get to it send it to gwmiller at ProvidenceJournal.com and write question for Dr. Ashish Jha in the subject field. Ashish thank you as always. Have a good week. We'll see you in a week. Sounds great
1: Wayne. Thank you for another really fun conversation and see you in a week and stay safe and be well. Yeah, I'm going to go swimming I hope. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. It's a safe thing to do especially now that you're vaccinated. But yeah, you know, no. You weren't, it would be but now that you are at the